This is Welcome Home Radio from the Fresno Association of Realtors on 940 ESPN. Well, good morning and welcome to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host on the Valley's most informative real estate talk show. This hour is being brought to you by the Fresno Association of Realtors, and our goal is to provide our listeners the real facts and the real stats about our local market. You wouldn't go into a game without a game plan, so why go into the home buying process without a game plan? And that's where today's show is going to feature uh, a very experienced local loan officer and a very experienced local realtor. And um, and ah, might as well introduce uh, the two of you right now. We have Bob Voss, uh, and you are, what, what's the name of the company you're with now? Uh, Fairway Independent Mortgage. Great. And, and also a part of the Community Housing Council, and we're going to get into that, what that's all about. Because you have a big event coming up. Yes. We also have Noe Cruz, uh, an associate broker and co-owner of Allstate Home Real Estate and Mortgage Professionals. And um, you've been in the business for quite some time, too, because I know I've, I've seen you around. Mm-hmm. We've had transactions together. So, welcome. Thank you, Don. Good morning to all, and uh, happy to be here. Great. And, and you, too, are part of the Community Housing Council. So I'm just going to open it up with what is the Community Housing Council? Is that another real estate company? No. The Community Housing Council is a nonprofit organization. Uh, the Community Housing Council is basically its mission is to be committed to strengthening local, public, and private partnerships to ensure adequate, affordable, and equitable housing opportunities for low to moderate income families in the community that we serve, which is the Central Valley. Not only that, but to also provide educational opportunities and trainings for the consumers so that they are able to sustain their home and avoid defaults. So the Community Housing Council is here to serve the community, to help the community better prepare to uh, buy a home and to sustain a home, and at the same time also help the local realtors and lenders in better servicing the community. And as a little testament to the Community Housing Council, I will say that over the years, I have referred some clients to them for counseling on how to keep their home, Um, maybe during the tough times, the tough market, um, had to deal with their bank and um, sent them over there. And uh, John Shore is the uh, director of it, and he would assign it out to whoever one of the staff people there, and took good care of my clients. In, fa- in fact, oh, here's a good one for you. I referred somebody to him probably six or seven years ago, and he kept the home, you know, was able to work it out, and he called me last month and said, you know, I'm about ready to sell now, and now he's got some equity. Definitely, and the Community Housing Council has definitely had a lot of success stories like that where they have helped a lot of the homeowners uh, be able to uh, get their uh, principal reductions through modifications, uh, help them maintain their home, help them get uh, adjusted uh, mortgage payments. So they've done a lot, but uh, I think that the most important thing that they do is 
educate the community on the resources that are available so that they can have at their fingertips the information that they need to avoid foreclosure. And just like you sent a lot of, uh, of your clients there to help them sustain their home, a lot of the realtors that are aware of the Community Housing Council are doing the same. And so we are happy to be here so that more and more people are aware of the services that the Community Housing Council provides. Not only do they help uh, provide uh, the education to sustain their home and avoid default, but they also have uh, pre-classes that they do for homeowners, the, for future homeowners, um, helping them understand the maintenance of a home, helping them understand what's involved in an inspection and uh, insurance processes that are out there. You know, so I think that uh, uh, there's a lot that the Community Housing Council does to help the consumer and the realtor and loan officers. What would you say, Bob? Well, I agree with that, and, and it's one of those that I've been with the organization since about uh, 1998, and we've gone through a lot of changes where we used to just be an organization that met and just talked to being a HUD-approved organization now, and with that, there's certain uh, uh, programs where you have to have a certain amount of counseling, and it has to be HUD-approved in order to get it, and we're one of the few ones that are on there that uh, can do that counseling and be able to keep people in a home and also be able to give them the information they need before they get into a home to make sure they're doing the right things, getting the right program, and getting the proper counseling that they need. You know, Noe, you mentioned home maintenance, uh, and this is a, kind of a funny story, but even just driving here this morning, I, I'm, I'm seeing homes that aren't being maintained. we got rain coming, right? And leaves just dropped. And I looked at how many homes had leaves piled up in their gutters uh, and in the valleys. And it's like that's a leak waiting to happen. Definitely. So. Yeah, no. And, and you know what? Little things like that, sometimes people don't realize the impact that it ha the negative impact that it has on their property. You know, having some branches on their roof not only can uh, damage their roof, but what happens if a big storm comes and the whole branch falls on your roof? Then you have a much bigger problem. You know, simple things like uh, changing the filters every three months. Not a lot of people know that they need to do that when they're new homeowners. And so we help them uh, understand those time frames and schedules that they need to be aware of so that they can maintain their home. Like, for example, another one is uh, uh, cleaning their uh, AC, washing it so that it's clean and so that the air can continue to flow and they don't have to pay hundreds of dollars for somebody to come out here, there and tell them, hey, you just need to clean your AC. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a money saver and definitely education that's uh, very powerful for a homeowner. So at the Community Housing Council, you're not you don't just counsel them on how to buy one or how to sell one, but it's also how to maintain it. And uh, the, and that sounds like a money-saving tip. Oh, definitely. You know, sometimes homeowners are strapped on money, and they're just barely making that mortgage payment and, and a bill to, uh, let's say, service the AC that they could have done themselves. Not necessarily, you know, do the technical work, but just keeping it clean uh, can definitely save them the money that could impact being able to uh, pay their mortgage at the end of the month. And, you know, sometimes those are the things that uh, gets people into default, and we certainly don't want that to happen. Great. So tell us about the second annual Central Valley Real Estate Summit. Well, uh, we are very pleased and happy to announce that we are having our second annual Central Valley Real Estate Summit here at, in Fresno. And it's going to be held at Fresno State 
at the Gazirian Real Estate Center. We have partnered up with them as they do have the same um, goal, which is to provide communication uh, among all the professionals servicing the community. Uh, this year, we are going to be having uh, some of the top producers here in the Valley. Uh, we're going to have Brian Martin from Keller Williams, who's his residential realtor. We're going to have Molly Meeker, who is a mortgage broker with Bay Equity Home Loans. Rachel Orlando, commercial broker with Realtor California Gold. And our newest uh, Fresno Association of Realtors president, J.P. Samsonian, who's also going to be here to share, um, you know, basically the status of the market, how it's adjusting, and how it is that they are working through that change to continue to have success in the real estate market and to be able, most importantly, to provide the services that are needed with the consumer. But in addition to that, we have a very special guest, Nancy West from the housing program uh, from HUD, Housing Program Officer, Marketing and Outreach Specialist. She will be coming in to provide a seminar so that all of our realtors and loan officers can hear all about the newest uh, FHA programs and resources for buyers in the real estate market. So it's definitely one of those uh, summits that you do not want to miss. It's definitely going to help prepare our realtors, our lenders to better provide services to our community. So if she's from HUD, it sounds like you're flying her in from Washington, D.C.? Actually, she's not in Washington, D.C. She's actually in California, but she serves the uh, western states. Uh, I think it's about eight states that she services. So Mm -hmm. she does do a lot of traveling and does have a lot of quality information that you do not want to miss out if you are working in the real estate industry and want to be the best resource for your clients. Okay. And what time is this event? What day? Uh, This is on... uh uh, January 24th, and it's from 1.30 to 5 o'clock. And that's that's a Thursday, if I recall. Yes, yes it is. All right. So, and now who should go to this? Should it be first-time buyers, any buyer, sellers, brokers? This, this summit is more for the people that are in uh, real estate, uh, real estate agents, uh, lenders, affiliates, things such as that. Homebuyers are not going to get as much out of this because we're more trying to give information for those people that are servicing the borrowers Mm -hmm. to make sure that they have the proper information. But that is a reason to work with a local realtor and a local loan officer because this information they're going to get is going to be local. And then we can, the local business people can pass that on to the consumer. Exactly. And that's a... uh, Pretty much what the Community Housing mm-hmm. Council and the Fresno State uh, Gazier and Real Estate Center's goal is to provide that information, that quality information that is going to be shared with the professionals so that they can better serve the community, have the resources available, the programs available at their fingertips, and be able to help you know all of the clients out there that have different needs because everybody has their story, everybody has their needs, and we want to ensure that mm-hmm. we meet those needs that are out there. Great. And and it sounds like a big term that's out there right now is the shift. The market seems to be shifting. Um, and this might be a place where realtors and loan officers can collaborate. You, you can talk about what's there. I mean, everybody has their own opinion, and nobody has a crystal ball, so nobody knows really what is going to happen. It's all based on what your experience has been in the past, where you see things going in the future. But it's like anything, the more you talk with uh, more people, 
the better idea you have and also the, the quicker you can react to something if you start to see that there is a change so that we can let our borrowers know or our homeowners know the information that we have. And, you know, to give an example of why that's important, even to the consumer, um, I was talking with several other realtors the other day about, you know, how boy, it's a little bit more difficult right now to comp out a house. So realize that we have to kind of reinvent the wheel. Uh, we have to reinvent the way we're doing comps right now um, and maybe take in more information because it's not as easy as it was a year or two ago. So th- that that networking with uh, other local agents kind of spurred a great idea. Yes, definitely. And and I wouldn't be I wouldn't say so much reinvent, but more like readjust. Uh, I think that uh, you know when you're talking about the comps, uh, the comps are going to be changing depending on how the market is going up or down, of course. And uh, I think that. Uh, one of the things that a lot of people have I have heard say is that, oh, prices are going down. Oh, you know, people think that they are going down. But in reality, I, and from my perspective, is that sellers have been listing the property high up because it's been a seller's market. And when they have to bring the price down because now they're not selling because interest rates are so high and it's getting to be very difficult to buy, now they're being more realistic and listing the properties at market value. It's not so much that it's going down, it's pretty much that it's getting, it's normalizing. Yeah, it's almost like the sellers can't be speeding anymore. They got to go back to what the the speed limit is. Exactly. So if they were doing 80 um, the, you, and they had to slow it down to 70, you can't really say they had to slow down. They shouldn't have been doing that in the first place. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and we were seeing the beginning of uh, 2018 to the, about the middle, where a lot of times we were seeing uh, appraisals coming in low. And that was basically because they were asking for more than what they probably should have been asking for in the first place. Uh, people have adjusted to that, and we don't see as many where the appraisals coming in low anymore. And it's not that they're making less money on it. It's just correcting to where they're getting the information correct. And it goes back to they're talking to people and finding out what is happening with the market and making sure they're adjusting to that. All right. Well, hold those thoughts because we are going to go to our first commercial break. But stay tuned to Welcome Home Radio, 940 ESPN. Welcome back to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino of Welcome Home Radio, along with Bob Voss of Fairwinds Mortgage, and also Noe Cruz of Allstate Home uh, Real Estate. Yes. So we got a lender and a realtor here with us today to kick off the new year, which, by the way, this is the 11th year that we've had this show. Yay. And if right. I remember right, you were, Bob Voss, I think was one of the very first guests the first month that we ever did the show. Yes, I was. Yeah, and remember it was before we moved to the new the new studios here. We did one month over there by the railroad tracks. Yes, we did. Yep. And, yes. <laughs> okay, so you were in the first month. Because by the second month, we knew, moved into the these great facilities here. This is kind of fun, too, to just look out onto Fulton Street 
and see that old architecture of, of the building across the street, which uh, is the Warner Theater is part of it. And I kind of feel like I'm a big time, you know, New York City here. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely a really, really nice sight to see. You yeah. definitely need to make your way and over. And you've done a great here. job, too, Don, with uh, doing the program. Oh, thank you. Although I was just thinking that, boy, some of my friends that listen, I just really set them up when I said big time because they're, they're going to tease me about it this week. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Bob, um, tell us about the lending, what's going on in lending right now because I'm assuming that lending is a very, very big part of being able to purchase a home. Not everybody has cash. A lot of people are looking for assistance programs, and there are assistance programs that are out there. I think one of the things that also uh, people are concerned about is where the rates are. And, you know, we hear on the uh, the TV and, every, and the radio that rates are going up, and they are going to be going up. And historically, we've been at low places. In fact, if you go back years ago, uh, you know, if you told somebody that the rates were going to be down at 5 or 3, They'd have looked at you like you were crazy. Uh, so we're going back up to where they kind of need to be, um, and also because that's kind of where the economy needs it to be based on uh, as they stay low, there's less money that goes to the Federal Reserve, which means that it adds to the deficit. So at some point it has to go up. Uh, I've looked at rates lately, and one of the things I did was a comparison. And if the rate was at 5, and we'll say that the rate goes up to 6, uh, the difference in the monthly payment is about $154 a month. And the borrower is going to have to have about another $360 a month in income in order to qualify for that. Now, the one thing is, is that sounds like a big number. However, for most people, it's probably not as big as what they're normally thinking it's going to be. Uh, a lot of people think, well, if it goes to five to six, that's the end of the market. And it's not. Uh, I remember when I first came into the business, uh, that was in 1993. Uh, shortly after that, we went from 7% up to 9.5 and 10. People still buy. You're still going to be buying. It's just you have to adjust what you're buying and how much you're going to be buying. And, you know, you said you need $360 more in income. To put that in real estate terms, if you couldn't, afford to go up in the in the mortgage payment and so you had to buy down that's going to equate to about 20 only twenty thousand dollars in purchase price i say only i mean twenty thousand is a lot of money but when you figure if if you were looking to buy a three hundred and fifty thousand dollar home and now you're going to buy a 330 home it's not that different correct it, so it's it's not as impactful it is one of the things to be mindful about where the rates are and Obviously, getting in when they're lower is better. You know, it keeps your payment down. But at the same time, it's not one of those things that as rates go up that you need to panic and think that the sky's going to fall and nothing's going to happen. Is it fair to say that when interest rates were at their lowest point that they were artificially low? Oh, by far. Uh, it's one of those that as it went down, you, and I remember going through the thing, it started at about 7, it went down to 6, then it got to 5, then to 4, and everybody thought that was going to be the bottom. <clears throat> got down to 3. I remember I did a loan for 2.75 for a borrower one time, and I thought, there's no way this will ever be this low again. But at the same time, you know it's not going to stay there. There's no way that it can maintain at that level. Mm -hmm. Because when mortgage rates are that low, you don't, 
get interest return on your bank savings either. I mean, you're getting, you go to the bank now, open up a savings account, and you get a half a percent. Mm-hmm. And that's even up. <laughs> exactly. And that goes back to part of that Federal Reserve. They don't have the money in order to pay that out, so therefore you're not getting it through the bank. I don't know that you know this, Bob, about me, but way back in the early 80s, I was a mortgage lender. Interest rates were 18%. Oh, wow. wow. And FHA was 18 But really, nobody could afford to do a, a first, so we used, used to do seconds of 22%. They assumed the first that might have been at 10, and when you blended those together or averaged it out, maybe they were coming out around 13 or 14 percent average rate, which was better than the 18 percent to get a whole new loan. (laughs) You wonder why I have gray hair? (laughs) Okay, so that's interesting. So um, now rates have come down, though, the last, what, month? And one of the things is is that a lot of times what you hear in the media is that rates go up. That doesn't always affect mortgage rates as much as what it does the other rates. And it, and and any given day, the rates can change based on where they are that day, and it'll change that week. Uh, but what we have seen is is that they've recovered some from where they were uh, a couple of weeks ago. So it's one of those that the rates are always going to be changing. So when you go in, you talk to somebody, and you find, and somebody tells you this is what your rate is. That's for that day. That's where it is. It's going to change a little bit here or there. It also depends on the loan officer. I know I normally will quote a rate a little bit higher than what it really is, just in anticipation that if the rate's going to go up, that there's room in order to be able to recover from that. Okay, so that's a good question. So when somebody goes in to pre-qualify, and they haven't even found a home yet, um. If you gave them today's rate, uh, then that means they may not qualify tomorrow. Exactly, and that's one of the things I don't give them the today's rate. I will look at what today's rate is. I'll add a quarter to it based on how much it's been changing so that they are qualified when, it, if they come back in a month, that they're going to be qualified at that time. Uh, I've seen too many times where somebody uses the rate for today, the borrower comes back a week later, <laughs> they don't qualify, and as soon as you tell the borrower they don't qualify, now they're mad at you. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bob, I've had uh, several clients call me back. Um, uh, these are clients I closed transactions in the past. Uh, at the time when it was really high rate, like I think one of the highest was at 5.75 at the end <laughs> of the purchasing. And so now that they've heard that the rates have gone down, they're wondering, can I refinance? Is it worth refinancing if I can bring it down at least 1% or three-quarters of a percent? One of the things that if you're going to be refinancing, what I always do is I take and find out how much the difference is going to be in the payment, what's the cost going to be, and if they can't recoup that difference in about two years, it's probably not worth their time in order to be able to do it. So if you have a low mortgage amount and it goes down by 1%, it's probably not going to be an advantage to you in order to to make that uh, refinance. If you had a large loan amount, that might be a difference. Mm Some people came to me and said they were uh, on the verge of refinancing, and they were doing it online, by the way. So, you know, they weren't getting that that good counseling. Thankfully, they did talk to their local realtor, and I figured it out for them. It was going to take them nine years to recoup their initial cost. I said, well, how long do you plan on being here? They said, oh, 
absolutely. We're moving. As uh, soon as he retires in three years, we're moving. <laughs> well, then it's not worth it. Exactly. And that's why I tell people if you're not going to recoup it in two years. Now, now you also might have somebody that is going to be moving into the house. That's the last <clears throat> place they're ever going to live. Mm-hmm. And they're going to be going on Social Security or retirement. Now, that might be a different story. It also, it's one of those that you have to look at what the reason is that they're doing it uh, and what the advantages might be. It might, if they're going to be living there for another 15 years, if it takes three years to recoup it, four years, it might be worth it for their situation in order to be able to do that. But for, but for most people, they're probably either going to sell the house or get rid of that loan within that time frame so they don't get the advantage. Why should a home buyer take a counseling class? There's several reasons, but most of it is to find out where they really uh, are in, in the process. Everybody thinks that they have great credit when they uh, start, uh, and they also think, well, I need to pay this off. Uh, sometimes they don't need to. So going in and getting pre-qualified, a uh, loan officer can pull their credit, be able to tell them these are the things you need to do if you need to do anything in order to do it. It also can tell them certain things that they need to do in order to adjust their FICO score, which uh, would, would put them in a better posture. It uh, can also tell them uh, how much of a house they can qualify for or how much of a uh, house they would want to buy based on what they're going to be for their comfort zone for their payment. So what would you tell somebody who said, oh, I know I can't buy because my credit's not good? I've had several people that have told me that come in and they find out the credit is not as bad as what it is. Also, we've got a report once we pull the credit report that will also tell them uh, what they should do in order to be able to bring the score up. And it's better than what they normally think it is. Sometimes they think they have to pay everything off. They're going to have to wait two years. Most of the time, they can get their credit fixed as long as they do the right things in a matter of one to six months. We're going to talk about that more later on in the show, how to improve credit scores. Um, And when we come back from this next commercial break, we're going to be talking with Noe about the market shifts and local statistics and... We'll have a lot of entertaining thoughts here. So stay tuned to Welcome Home Radio, 940 ESPN. Welcome back to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, and today we're taking care of business. Now we're going to get into the so-called market shift, some statistics, local statistics. I'm going to throw some um, Fresno Clovis home sales out there. Now you might say, well, I live in Reedley or I live in Tulare. They're pretty much, the, um, the Central Valley is pretty much the same as far as our trends. Eh, something might be a few thousand behind but this is going to show us where we're going. And, of course, our guests are Noe Cruz of Allstate. Uh, Allstate Homes. Allstate Homes. Bob Voss of Fairwinds Mortgage. I'm saying that wrong, aren't I? It's Fairway, like golf. Oh. <laughs> is that where you get all your business out on the golf course? Uh, I wish. <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't be a bad way to go. So let me throw a few stats out there and give me your comments on them, your opinions. And I don't, we didn't talk about this up front, so I have no idea what you're going to say. So it's, it's really good to get 
outside opinions. So, December of 2017, the sales, uh, the total sales in the city of Fresno and Clovis for homes was 592. December of 2018, they've dropped. It's 507 as of uh, last night. In all fairness, that number will go up a little bit this next week as more sales are input because we just ended the month. But it, it's still going to be lower than the 592. We'll, we'll probably end up around 550. So um, what does that indicate to you? Uh, what that tells me is that uh, the prices of homes uh, for our community, for the Central Valley, are just getting to be too pricey, and people can't afford them anymore. Uh, I mean, the majority of the people are not making more than fifty, sixty thousand dollars a year in the valley, and so for someone to afford a two hundred seventy thousand dollar home, three hundred thousand dollar home, is going to be very difficult. What I have been seeing recently um, is that there has been several occasions where not just one family is purchasing one home, but two families are having to come together. Co-borrowers that are not going to be living in the family are having to be part of the mortgage. And so it's basically saying that affordability levels are just being too high, and so homes are not selling. So until you know we can have the community make more money or the homes start to stabilize and not go any higher, I think that we're going to see an increase if we see that normalization of the market and prices of homes stop rising. Well, let me give you what the average sales prices were from December of 17 to December of 18. And this might say exactly what you just said, so the numbers may say it. So the average sales price in the city of Fresno and Clovis in 2017 for December was 286.5 for December 2018 it was 293.5 so not, almost the same exactly I mean, yeah. so yeah. It, it not a big rise that might be a surprise to some sellers out mm-hmm. there right exactly. you know they they're just tacking on 10% mm-hmm. every few months <laughs> yeah, to what a, a fam- to what their homes worth yeah. in their mind yeah, pretty much, and, and and you know what? Like I was saying, if families are making sixty thousand a year, uh, they would have to pretty much have no debt to be able to qualify for something of that magnitude. And so, you know, realistically, we all have debt. <laughs> we all have a car payment for the most part. Mm-hmm. We all have all these other credit cards, <laughs> especially after Christmas. And so that makes it difficult to you know be able to qualify on a home of that price. Well, that's where Bob comes in with all the programs exactly. on, on qualifying. <laughs> um, even the median price didn't change too much, so it went from 261 to 269,000. And of course, the median price is that middle one. Sometimes you see a big gap between average price and median, and that means that maybe maybe there's a disproportionate amount of sales in the upper market or the lower market. Oh, in fact, 10 years ago, during the foreclosure era, we saw a huge gap But it, it, uh, when it came to median because there were so many sales, foreclosure sales, that were at the lower end, uh, selling for 100000 mm-hmm. So that really drug the median price down. Um, I'm going to surprise everybody, including the two of you here in front of me today, but also all our listeners. 
So people say, oh boy, here we go again. You know, we're, we're going to go into another housing bubble, uh, crash, whatever you shift, whatever you want to call it. Here's a little difference between t- uh, today's market and even last year. Or if you go back 10 years ago, 10 years ago, about 60% of the sales were distress sales, foreclosures, short sales maybe. Although 10 years ago, short sales hadn't really caught on yet. They, they were just starting. But if you had 500 sales 10 years ago and 60% of them were foreclosures, you're looking at 300 per mu- a month. Okay, so December of 17, I told you there were 592 sales. The amount of foreclosures that sold was 21. I mean, significantly, significantly different. You guys must be doing a good job at the Community Housing Council. <laughs> I, I'm going to give you that one. Education is key, Don. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and now this is... These people that say, oh, well, we're really heading backwards now. Foreclosures, December 2018. Remember a year ago, it was 21. This time, nine. Nine foreclosures in Fresno and Clovis that sold. And most of those were at the lower end. Um, the median price was 150000 for those foreclosures. Whereas, you know, for... The market as a whole, that median was 269, so over 100,000 more. What does all this tell you? Uh, I think what it tells me uh, is that we've done a really good job as uh, loan officers, realtors, in better preparing our community to sustain a home. Not only that, but the government has really helped with that in having all these different regulations, guidelines, and procedures so that we can ensure that the borrowers that are coming in are going to be able to sustain that home. And because of the strict guidelines and uh, all the red tape that comes along with uh, getting a loan, I think that that has also made it where the current buyers that we have now, it's going to be very difficult for them to lose to lose their home. I mean, they would have to have a very difficult hardship before they can lose it. And for those that have just recently foreclosed, what I'm thinking is that these could have been people that stuck it through the you know the whole entire time, didn't want to let go of that home until now that they're saying, hey, the market is not going to go any higher than this. So let's just you know give in and foreclose on it you know and uh you know that's just my perspective could be wrong but you know i think that that's pretty much what the data is representing yeah so people aren't as willing to walk away now because they probably have equity in their home definitely yeah Yeah, they put a down payment in they've got skin in the game um they've got a commitment prices weren't going astronomically high so the fever to buy wasn't it was more normal so they probably bought it for the right reason. Exactly. So let's go back 10, 15 years ago and ask the loan officer now, Bob, how has lending changed in that time? Let, let's just take 2004 versus 2014, because those would be the preludes to right. new markets. Well, 2004, um, if you were breathing and walking almost, uh, you could uh, get a loan. And by that, what I mean is they had uh, stated income. They had no dock loans where you basically came in, you 
you didn't have to state what your income was. You didn't have to state what your assets were coming from. You just signed a piece of paper, said that that's what you wanted the loan for, and you got it. Uh, as we went through the foreclosure crisis, everything tightened up, uh, and it got actually a lot worse than what it should have been. And it's like everything. There was a knee-jerk reaction, and it got tighter than what it should have been. Uh, so what we started seeing is is that you had to bring in all your stuff for your income, Everything had to be uh, tax returns. You had to go to the IRS and also uh, be get that verified through them to make sure that that's what was actually recorded. Uh, everything as far as assets, uh, you had to verify where everything was. And it got a little bit out of hand where it got a little too tight. It's loosened up a little bit since then. But, for instance, when back in 2004, uh, you didn't have to verify anything. Now you have to verify too much. Uh, and it's getting a little bit better than what it was because used to be in the olden days when I first started, you know, you used W-2s. That was a, kind of a standard for a salary person. Then it got to where you didn't even have to use that. Then it got to where you had to, uh, in 2014, you would have to verify it through IRS. It's got back to where you don't have to do as much of the verifications now as what it had to be. So it's recovered somewhat, but it definitely made a big change. And that's also why we had so many foreclosures because everything got to where it got totally out of hand. Mm -hmm. Before we go to this next break, I just want to take a moment to correct Noe on something. Yeah. <laughs> I'm laughing because you said well, there's fewer ones because there's better education in the market now for all these reasons. You forgot to put in Welcome Home Radio. We give a lot of, <laughs> we give a lot of good tips on here, and that is one of the goals here is to make sure that next time there's a recession, Fresno's nowhere near the top 100 yes, in foreclosures. Exactly. And we need to get more listeners because this is where the key is to be able to learn what's going out there. And so, you know, I hope that whoever's listening out there, share the news of 940 AM ESPN Radio so that they, too, have the information they need. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much. <laughs> We're going to our next commercial break, but stay tuned. We're going to get into repairing credit. Thank you. Welcome back to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host. And that little bumper music about put me in, coach, I'm ready to play, that fits me today. You know, I had to take a week off last week for the holidays, and I was a little bit upset about that. It's like, what, you're going to do a rerun? <laughs> I, I'll be there. Put me in. I want to play. We, and, and one of the thing, and just like the two of you wanted to be here today, because you want to share your information, you want to help people out there. Um, that's part of being in our business. Um, part of being in the craziness of our business is you really want to help people. It, it's the difference of having a job or a career. You know, if you're going to be helping people, it's going to be a career. If you're just going to be in for the flash of it for the moment, it's a job, and we're in it for the career. I, I like that. I, I'm going to use that. I'll steal it from <laughs> if you don't mind. I've told people, especially the new ones coming in, I say, I want you to know this is a really, really hard job, but it's a fantastic career. And, you know, I mean, there's days where it's like, boy, I can't wait to, or, or it'd be nice to get back to dragging tree, tree brush like I did when I was 20, uh, working for a tree company. 
uh, there's days that are tough like that. But boy, you look back on the career, and there's so many people that um, we know we've been able to impact. Yes, it's very, it's a very rewarding career, especially when you are placing uh, the best interests of your clients in the forefront of everything that you do. And that is when you're going to see the results, you're <coughs> going to see the impact that you're making in the community. So this is a good time to bring up the uh, escrow that Noe and I had last summer. <laughs> and um, great example here. That You made the offer. You know, it, everything was supposed to go good 30 days. We got blindsided by some problems in the escrow, not relative to the buyer nor the seller, nor you nor I. Uh, just things, life happened. It turned into a 90-day escrow, but it closed the way it was supposed to. Yes, it was one of the longest escrows I've had. Luckily, I had you on the other end. I had a loan officer that was also out there working together with us, the escrow officers. I think that the key here in making transactions uh, come to fruition and closing is the communication factor and the camaraderie that exists among the players at hand in a transaction. You know, everybody has, has the same goal, and that is to provide a home and to sell a home uh, from your clients. And if we all work together, if we all stick it through and are cordial, professional, and just look for ways to make things happen, things are going to happen, just like this transaction, Don. So and it you. wasn't the easiest 90 days. I mean, there was emotions on the on our clients' part, uh, on our parts. Um, but it's like I knew I, I had to keep my emotions in check because I was going to run into you. I was going to run into the loan officer. And, and you know, to... And I could not blame you guys because it wasn't your doing. Yeah. Um, and sometimes that's that's what it is. You know, it's something that's out of your control, factors that you can't control. It, it's just a matter of working through those issues and those hurdles to be able to make it happen. And, uh, you know, just like you said, you have to continue to keep that professionalism because you are going to run with, or across that other person. And, you know, you always want to have that good, good sense of a working relationship with everybody. I think that the patience that we had and the support that we had was just essential in closing it. So there's a lot of online companies that say, oh, take the stress out of buying. They could not have avoided what we had to, which, by the way, for our listeners, it was an appraisal issue. Mm -hmm. And, um, uh, you know, if if you're buying from one of these no-stress uh, online companies, that's going to come up too. Oh, yeah, definitely. And, and when you're working with the realtor, you have the support, you have that expert that has the code of ethics that where they're going to execute the best professional service for you because they're going to be advocating for you. And you're going with these other uh, companies, online companies. I mean, who knows who you're working with? You know, Who knows what kind of training, what kind of support they've had to help the client meet their needs or achieve their real estate goal. And so you always want to work with your local realtor so that you can have the best service and the most professional outcome in your transaction. And you talk about a code of ethics, and that's for realtors. You can have a real estate agent, a, a license, mm -hmm. and not be a realtor, and you don't have to comply with that. And I'll give you a great example. Um, somebody pointed out to me that one of my listings that I sold during the year was being touted as being sold by this other company who's not a realtor. They're a, real est a licensed agent. So they don't have that same code of ethics. Um, you couldn't do that to me because I'd call you, hey, no, that's kind of a misrepresentation, mm -hmm. you know. And 
Of course, you'd pull it right down. Well, you wouldn't even do it in the first place. No, what am I talking not about? At all. <laughs> yeah, not even at be, and because we're taught with that code of ethics, you can't misrepresent. Um, really, for for me to, if I called this other person, there's no violation on his part. He's just mm-hmm. advertising, and uh, he's just working for his commission. And that's one thing that you got to stay away from uh, when you're working with another professional. You know, those that are just working for the commission, and those that are working for your best interest and for the goals that you have with the real estate uh, ish, uh, goal that you have at hand. So, you know, there's a difference there. Okay. What about cash-out refis? Real quick on that. Is that something to be careful of? Well, if if you do cash-out refinances, basically what it's going to do is going to take your equity that you have in the property out of it, so you're diminishing what you have as far as uh, what your worth is in the property. And also by taking that out, uh, you're going to increase what your monthly payment's going to be, so you're also putting yourself where you're going to have to make more of a payment. So by doing that, you want to be cautious of when you're doing it, what the reason is. Is it just to buy a toy, uh, something that you really don't need, or is it a crisis thing that you're doing it for? You know, Is there a real need in order to do that? And that's also where going back and talking to a good loan officer can help guide you on what you need to do and, and also how much you need to take out if you're doing a cash-up. Okay. And I did promise everybody that we would talk about repairing credit. What are some of the tips on that? Well, one of the things I you know, always tell people is, you know, come in and be pre-qualified and let somebody else look at your credit. A good loan officer can do that. And also, it's like I've said before, you know, we can run a report that will come back and tell us what they need to do in order to fix their, their credit. Uh, it's one of those that when somebody comes in and their credit is bad and that happens, uh, my first comment to them is, well, I'm going to be doing loans in six months. I'm going to be doing it in a year. So we just need to put a plan together in order to do what you need to do in order to get yourself in that position. I remember probably 10 years ago I did a counseling with a person that came in, told them these are the things you do. I, I write it out, out for them and everything else. They came back a year later, did everything that was there. They said the same sheet of paper that I gave them initially, and the loan just flew through. There wasn't a problem with anything because they did all the right things. Uh, as a consumer, you don't always know what those things are. You might be doing the wrong things. Uh, you might be doing something where you're going to pay it off, and now you have nothing that's going to be reported to the credit agency, so they have nothing to do a rating on. So if you pay everything off, that's not going to be an advantageous thing for you also. So you want to make sure that you do have something so they're reporting it. But it's a matter of getting to where your balance is not over 30% of what your high credit is. It's getting it down to where there's something that's there and it's a small amount. So if somebody had <clears throat> three credit cards and they're all of them maxed out, and but they had the cash to pay some of, some of them off, you're, what I'm hearing you say is pay all three down to 30%, not pay them all off. Correct. Because really 30% is where your threshold is going to be down there where that will help affect your score. Now, Below 30 is good, too, but you also don't want to get those down to where they're at zero because if all three are paid off, now there's nothing to be reported to the credit agency. Well, no wonder my credit score is so low. I've paid all my credit cards off. Wait a minute. This isn't logical. (laughs) Hey, who said there was logic in all this, right? Exactly. Well, thank you, Noe Cruz, for coming in today. Thank you, Bob Voss, for coming in today and helping to enlighten all of our our listeners out there, and thank you to our listeners.
Thank, Thank you, you, Don. It was happy to be here.